We've only got about 20 minutes, so I can't say my name 20 minutes. So you guys, we'll try to rush through. A uh, couple things before I begin. I uh, want you guys to brag on some young men. Uh, in the past, when I do India presentations, I'd take some young men with me. A couple weeks ago, I took Ben Wilson with me, and he did the invitation at Monterey. Tonight, I'm taking Will McCrary with me. And he's going to do the invitation at Pippin, and then I believe in a couple weeks, uh, Tyler Lawson's going with me to Whitson's Chapel. He's going to do the invitation after I do the presentation. So and we're going to continue to do that on a few more a little bit later on. Uh, so just brag on those young men, uh, their willingness uh, to do that. I'll tell you on Ben Wilson, when I asked him, uh, he said, yeah, I'll go with you. And his mother told me later, he thought I was asking him to go to India with me and to speak. <laughs> But he still said yes, so uh, he was ready to go either way. It didn't matter to him. All right, a couple more things. We're not going to do First Timothy today. Reason being, next week I start a meeting at Union Hill Congregation in Jackson County. Uh, if any of you guys can come, that'd be great. Not for me, but for uh, a smaller congregation, man, that does them good. If they can fill the building a few nights, uh, it just really builds them up. There's a lot of family ties here to, to Union Hill. And uh, so it's there on Shepherdsville Road, if you don't know where it is. So I'll be there next week. Then two weeks after that, I have a gospel meeting up, up in Tompkinsville, Kentucky. I don't expect anybody to drive up there. But uh, uh, So I'm going to not start in 1 Timothy 3. Don is going to teach for me next week and then actually the two weeks after that. And he's going to talk about the qualifications of elders. Uh, so we're going to shift gears to today. And I just pulled out an old lesson that I'd done 10 years ago and and we're going to talk about it, and we're going to have to do it very quickly. Uh, but let's talk about 1 Samuel chapter 15, if you will. It's a familiar passage of Scripture, and we're going to look at four different mistakes that Saul made and hopefully learn some valuable lessons for, uh, for our lives. Again, just quickly get a background. When you think about the people of Amalek, and actually I thought it was strange, Don actually talked about this today, and it kind of tied right in. Uh, they came from uh, Esau's son, the people did, and just to get a little bit more background, in Exodus chapter 17, uh, exactly what Don referenced, the children of Israel were fighting against Amalek. And as long as, and he talked about it, as long as Moses held his hands up, they would prevail. When he let his hands down, they would not. Uh, so they, you know, his family helped him to hold his hands up, the children of Israel won. But when you go there, I'm going to quickly just read something and kind of get us to what happens in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and why it happens. When you get to verse 14, we won't read it all, we don't have time, of Exodus 17, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book, and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the, rem the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Because the people of Amalek fought with the children of Israel as they were wandering through the land, God says, I'm going to take them out. I'm going to utterly destroy them. Now, I want you to remember that. When God said he's going to utterly destroy them, that means they're all gone, right? Not going to be a, a remnant remaining. God expects them uh, to be taken out. So that brings us to 1 Samuel chapter 15. When you get to 1 Samuel chapter 15, Saul is king over the nation of Israel. And I wanted to read it, but I, I don't have time. So I'm going to give you the highlights, if you will. God comes to Saul and he says, I want you to go and I want you to fight against Amalek. 
and I want you to utterly destroy them. Exactly what God had said he would do way back. He says it's time. Now, if you'll remember, uh, in the book of Genesis, the Bible tells us that he doesn't destroy people until their iniquity is full. So apparently, the, the people of Amalek, their iniquity is full, and it's their time. So God tells Saul, I want you to go take them out, everything. I don't want you to leave anything. So Saul, he goes and he fights with the people, and he kills everybody except who? You want to remember? The king. And does he take out all of their cattle and all of their livestock? No, he doesn't do that. He spares a few, right? He spares the best of the flocks, and, and Samuel comes to him, and he says, Saul, what, what's the problem? Oh, he said, I did exactly what the Lord said. I have wiped them out. And Samuel tells him, says, well, what's the bleeding of the sheep? Why do I hear these animals, these livestock animals, uh, making noises? Boy, you don't understand. We, we spared the king, and, and we spared the best of the flock. We're going to sacrifice to the Lord, right? We're going to do what God wants us to do. And he says, no. No, in a very, very familiar passage of Scripture, verse 22, obedience is better than sacrifice. God told you what to do and you didn't do it. And therefore, God's going to take the kingdom from you. Well, Saul's upset. Oh, please don't do that. Bless me, bless me, bless you. I've sinned. You know, I want to worship. Samuel says no. And Samuel begins to leave. Saul grabs him by the robe, rips his robe. Uh, and Samuel turns around and tells Saul, said, Hey, just like you ripped my robe, God's going to rip the kingdom from you. He's going to give it to somebody better than you. So that's the whole story in a couple minutes. Uh, like I said, you can read it for yourself later. We're going to learn some lessons uh, that, that we need to learn today. A lot of people need to learn today. This is a very basic lesson, but it's one that, that we should be able to understand and we should be able to use to teach people today when we're maybe trying uh, to convert them. We're going to look at, again, four different things. God gives a very direct command. God doesn't mince words. God doesn't mince words today when he tells us things in the New Testament. Mark 16, 16 is the, a, I don't know of a more simple verse in the Bible of how simple it is. It is a direct command. But yet people still do these same things. Sometimes people are just partially obedient, just like Saul. Saul had good intentions. People today have good intentions. Saul's actions were very hypocritical, and we'll look at that. And, and Saul blamed other people uh, for his sin when he got to that point in his life. When you get to verses 7 through 15, we learn something, that partial obedience is disobedience. Do we get that? Sometimes I, I don't think we do. Sometimes I think as long as we do part of what God says and we can choose to, to maybe leave out you know, the parts that we don't like or we don't feel are good. And, and the religious world around us uh, is an example of that. You know, Saul thought because he did everything the Lord said except a couple things that he thought were better, he actually maybe reasoned in his mind that he was okay. That he did just like he told Samuel a couple different times. I did what the Lord said. I did exactly what he said. And Samuel says, no, you didn't. The religious world, a lot of times, they believe and they have reason in their mind, you know, that, that I'm doing exactly what the Lord said when it comes to salvation. Isn't that how it is with a lot of the religious world around us? You know, people, they want to go so far when it comes to what God said to do, but then what do they do? Well, they cut it off at a certain point. Most religious people that you and I know, they will agree with us 100% that Jesus is the Son of God 
And they will agree with us 100% that we have to believe in Jesus with all our heart, but a lot of times they cut it off there. And isn't that the same as what happened with King Saul? They do part of what God said, but they choose to, to leave out a lot of the rest. You know, when it comes to, to maybe the Lord's Supper, and the Bible talks about the continuance of doing that. In Acts 20, verse 7, they did it on the first day of the week, and, and people say, well, I, I'm doing that, but, but they leave out. You know, they just do part of it. They pick and choose what they want to do, when they want to do it, when it comes to being faithful. The Bible is full of examples of what God expects of us as far as faithfulness goes. And He expects us to always be faithful, but most in the religious world, they don't buy into that. They don't believe it really matters because once you're saved, you're always saved, and, and it's just kind of go as you want to go. But yet the Bible tells us over and over again, that's not the way it is. So see, it's partial obedience. You say, well, you're picking on the religious world. I'm going to pick on us because I, I need to be picked on myself. Don't we do the same things from time to time? I, I mean, as Christians, sometimes we say, here in the Lord's church, we do everything God says. If you think you've got it all figured out, you're fooling yourself. None of us has it all figured out. But brethren, we do the same thing. The Bible tells us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. The Bible tells us to, to sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready to give an answer to everybody that asks a reason to hope that is within you. The Bible tells us over and over again that we're to talk to our neighbors and the people around us and try to win souls, but how many of us really do that? You ever considered that? I mean, sometimes we pick on other people and we say, well, they don't obey all the Bible. What about us? I don't want to have a pick on other people's session. What about us? What do we do? You know, maybe are we sometimes guilty just like Saul? We just partially do what God said to do. What about giving? The Bible is full of examples of how we're to give. And, and the nation of Israel, they were required to give 10%. And today, I, I don't know if we do that. Yes, sir. Oh, I understand that. Right. That's exactly, he's, he's right. All of us are not going to be able to preach and sit down and teach somebody, but we all have something we can do. You've got to figure out what that is. Maybe I didn't make that clear. We've got to figure out what that is and use that to try to get people here. You know, maybe you're just a good cook. You know, food gets people to consider doing a lot of things, doesn't it? So, you know, you might cook for somebody and get them to come to church with you. You might cook for somebody and invite me over too. I like to eat. And, uh, and I'll study with them. So, it can. You're right, it can be. But like I said, there's a lot more ways to win souls. We can, we can, we got a table full of videos out there. We've got a, Cell phones that we can text people. We can send cards to people and encourage. There's just a lot of ways. The point being, he expects us to do something. He expects us to do something. And not everybody has the same ability. So we got to do something. But keep going. What about attendance? Do a lot of people in the Lord's church only obey partially when it comes to what God said to do? Yeah. Yeah. 
we, we got a lot smaller crowd than we had just a little while ago, don't we? Why? Partial obedience. We'll have a smaller crowd tonight. Why? Partial obedience. Can't argue with the truth, can we? It's just, you know, sometimes we pick on everybody else, but sometimes we need to look at ourselves. Saul had good intentions. Man, i got to speed up. Good intentions. You know, good intentions don't excuse disobedience. Sometimes we think they do, and sometimes we think if we're sincere and we just really, we, we feel like this is the right thing to do, you realize God doesn't really care how I feel. And I don't say that in any kind of disrespectful, mean way. But ultimately, does it matter how you feel? There's, what, seven, eight billion people, and eight billion people got a different opinion, and God's is the only one that matters. And Saul thought his mattered. So good excuses or intentions really doesn't solve anything. You know, a lot of people in the religious world, they've got good intentions. I want to tell you something. There's a lot of religious people I know that I feel like got excellent hearts. And I feel like they are truly sincere, and they want to do what's right. Maybe they've been misled. But when it comes to music and women leaders and you know, Paul even talks about it in Romans chapter 10, verse 2 and 3. People are just ignorant of God, but they still got a zeal for God. But those good intentions doesn't make it right. And again, I'm not picking on those people. But what about us? Sometimes don't we have good intentions? Sometimes when it comes to, to worship, you know, worship that is not prescribed by God, it is a sin. If we come here, and maybe our intentions are good, that I'm going to come here if we're not doing what God said to do. If we're not doing it in the way that he said to do it, what happens? We're no better than anybody else. So we need to learn that again from Saul. More to say, but time is out. You know, think about Saul just for a second. Are you ever hypocritical? You say, oh, I'm not. You know, most people would be honest, right? Most people would be honest. I can stand up here and tell you, and I'm not proud of it, but a lot of times I'm hypocritical. I really am. You stand up here and you, you, you present lessons and you teach class and you go out in life and sometimes you just fail miserably at it, you know, and you make bad decisions and say things and do things you shouldn't say. Sometimes we're hypocritical people. Saul was very hypocritical in all of this. I want to ask you something. Why did he really spare King Agag? You ever consider that? You ever just stop to, to sit around and think about it? Why did he spare the king? You know, in his mind, he had reason, I'm doing what God said to do, but I'm going to spare this king. And, and really, the Bible doesn't give us a direct answer as to why. Don't you think it was more about power and pride? If you are a leader of a mighty nation, and you've got the king of another nation held captive in your house, how do you think that would make you feel? What do you think it was really about with him? He made it out like he was doing these things for God and, and his heart was in the right place. But ultimately, where do you think his heart was? Full of pride, wasn't it? If you can say, I've got the king of Amalek, I took out everybody, but I'm sparing him. You think Saul was really concerned about doing the morally right thing by sparing the king? Let me ask you something. Did he kill the children? You ever thought about that? Did he kill the children? How many of us would spare an old king and kill children. You wouldn't, would you? you say, he's very hypocritical. He, he's saying one thing, but he, he's doing something else. What about sparing the flock? You know, he says we spared the best of the flock to sacrifice to the Lord. That's another lie. I, I mean, maybe they were going to sacrifice for it, but don't you think he was just trying to be people pleasers? 
Don't you think by sparing the flocks, it enabled the people to make their sacrifices, but yet they didn't have to do what? They didn't have to give up anything for themselves. So again, he's being a people pleaser. He's being a politician like we've got today, right? He was giving free handouts, you know, and they could still do the things they were supposed to do, but it didn't cost them a dime. See, it wasn't about God. Sometimes we've got to be careful. You know, in chapter 14, we don't have time to get into it, but in chapter 14, the people of Israel there at battle, and he tells the people, no one is allowed to eat anything today or he dies. Go read it. You know the person that ate something that day, some honey, was his son. Was his son. And here's the thing, his son didn't even know he gave the command. Jonathan didn't know he gave the command. And yet, at the end of chapter 14, do you know what Saul wants to do? He is willing to kill his own son because his son unknowingly ate something when his father had gave the command and he was ready to kill him. But didn't Saul do the exact same thing? Saul knew what God said and he didn't do it and yet he wanted his life to be spared but yet he was willing to kill his own son for committing the same thing but yet in ignorance. That is hypocritical. But sometimes again we're the same way. Jesus said in Luke 6, verse 46, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Does that verse ever sting? That verse stings me right now, even quoting it. We call him Lord, Lord. Sometimes we're not doing what he says. Sometimes we pick and choose. Go back to the beginning, partial obedience. We pick and choose what we like, and we do what we like, and we leave off the rest, and all it makes us is a hypocrite. Last one, and I know our time is up. What about blaming others? Isn't that what Saul did? But Samuel, you don't understand the people. The people wanted this. Isn't that an age-old problem? Isn't that exactly what we still do this very day? When you go to Genesis chapter 3 and, and, and Adam is confronted about the sin, what did he do? He blamed Eve and he blamed God himself. He said, God, the woman that you gave to me gave me the fruit and I ate. So in essence, he... Can you imagine blaming God? People still blame God today. Exodus chapter 32, Moses comes down from the mountain and, and Aaron's made a golden calf. And what does Aaron do? He doesn't take responsibility. He blames the people. And brethren, we've got to realize this country today, one of the biggest problems we have is everybody blames everybody else for everything that they ever do that is bad. And no one is willing to step up and take responsibility for anything anymore. And you've got all of these psychiatrists and everything, and they're trying to tie everything back. And I'm not saying that, that trauma in our lives doesn't affect us and make us do things. But a lot of times, it's just a, a way to get out of things. You realize that? No one will take responsibility. But what about in the church? Deuteronomy 24, 16 says the son shouldn't die for the father. The father shouldn't die for the son. In other words, it's on you. It's on you. I tried to raise my kids and teach them that. You're going to make your decisions in your life and you're going to reap the consequences of those decisions. It's on you. I can't tell you, especially when they get up and they leave, it's on you. Brethren, we've got to realize that. We've got to step up in the church. We've got to step up in the church and, and we've got to help each other to understand that we are responsible for our actions. You know, you can blame me if you want to. You can say, well, that old preacher, he just, he did this, this, this. And you can blame me, but... I mean, ultimately, it's going to be on you. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 tells us we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give account of ourselves, what we did. It's on me. Can't blame you. 
can't blame me. Ultimately, we've got to step up and be a man. I appreciate your attention this morning. I know where time is up, uh, but I want you to understand Saul reaped what he sowed. And you realize we will do the exact same thing. Galatians 6, verse 7, Be not, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, that will he also reap. You know who wound up killing King Saul? An Amalekite. That's who killed him in the end. If he just did what God said, see, he reaped what he sowed. I appreciate your attention.